Hi, and welcome to the podcast, a hodgepodge of conversations about meaningful things that people are doing out in the world and in their communities. My name is Rachel, and I'm your host. Let's begin by taking a moment to honor the land upon which we live. Taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. I live on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, and I'm incredibly grateful to be here. On today's episode, I am pumped for you to meet my dear friend, Jillian Templeton. Jillian and I first met in Calgary at a yoga studio called Yoga Santosha, where we both did some volunteer work. We have since discovered that over the years, we've likely crossed paths many times without even knowing it. In this present moment, we have recently begun a collaboration to create community through our yoga practices. Jillian has so many talents in the world of wellness and beyond. As a holistic nutritionist, massage therapist, and yoga instructor, her heart is beyond generous. What I especially love about Jillian is her authenticity and her integrity and her honesty. Whether we are dancing to disco on the dance floor or practicing mindfulness, I always feel that I have Jillian's full presence. Welcome to the podcast, Jillian. Hello, Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you for making time. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself to our Sure, yeah. I do also just want to say that I did turn down an invite to Joe Rogan's podcast to be here. So what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like you had mentioned, I was in Calgary. So I actually grew up in Calgary, um, born and raised and moved out to Vancouver a few times in my adult life, um, this time to stay. Uh, My roots are in Calgary. I do love it there. Um, but I'm really happy to be in Vancouver because it really aligns with me here, um, especially with the health and wellness aspect of things. So, yeah, I love it. I love being here. We love having you here. Ah, thanks. So what is it that really drew you to the West Coast besides the wellness? Uh, so my sister actually um, moved out here when I was in high school. So she had met um, her now husband. Uh, this would have been about 35 years ago, I guess. Um, and I'd always come out here for summer vacations and any chance that I could because I loved it so much. And my nieces and nephews, uh, her children are all around my age. So um, it was like coming out here and hanging out with my little brothers and sisters. So um, I was out here quite a bit, fell in love with the West Coast. Just, you know, it's absolutely amazing to have the ocean and the mountains right there. Um, And yeah, it just, it felt like home. So over the years when I started, you know, to um, branch out a little bit and wanted to move away, this is definitely a natural progression for me to get out here and just be on the West Coast, just more my vibe. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel that. And when you mentioned growing up in Calgary, I know, I I think, are you completely plant-based now? So I, 
have been plant-based now probably for about six months fully. I um, have slowly worked meat out of my diet over probably the last 15 years. Um, I actually, the first year that I lived here, oh, oh God, I guess it would be longer than 15. My goodness, we're probably going on 18 to 19 years ago. I lived um, uh, just off the drive, not far from where I'm living now um, in East Van. And the girl that I lived with, who still remains a really good friend of mine, um, we didn't know each other. Uh, another friend of ours had hooked us up and she was vegan. So I lived with her for a year and she she really opened my eyes to this world of veganism um of course being born and raised as a meat eater in calgary uh, i was also really um had not not disgusted by the idea but definitely couldn't wrap my brain around the idea of being a vegan um i didn't understand it like i was like what do you mean and this is this seems to be such a normal reaction for meat eaters majority of uh, meat eaters I find um, they can't wrap their brain around not having meat in your diet especially when it's what you've grown up with um, but so I stopped cooking meat when I lived with her um, at home and the only time that I did eat meat was when I went over to my sister's place for dinners and I would notice the huge difference that it made in the way I felt so mm. it I would be instantly bloated. I would feel very uncomfortable after I ate. Um, and then when I wouldn't eat it for the time that I wasn't there at my sister's for dinner, I was like, wow, this is a huge difference. In, and I, I, I just felt lighter, you know, and, um, and more energy. So mm. it was kind of a, a thing for me to cut red meat out, especially because I felt so heavy after eating that. Um, and then eventually I just started cutting chicken out and then I started cutting fish out recently. Um, so yeah, and, and dairy. Dairy was one that I cut out a little while back too. And, and don't get me wrong, every now and again, I'll indulge and I'll have a little bit of cheese or, you know, I'll, I'll have a little treat, but I, I may or may not suffer from that because I do have intolerances as well um, to dairy. So um, but I, I feel really good just eating mainly like probably 95% plant-based. Um, and it's honestly like, I don't really see myself ever eating a burger or any kind of red meat again, unless I absolutely have to, of course, for survival, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just feels really, uh, really good to eat like that for my body. You know, it's just something that, uh. That feels really natural for me now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I've shared this with you, uh, disclaimer, this might be kind of gross for our listeners to hear, so prepare yourself. <laughs> um, when I was a child, I thought it was normal to go to the toilet after eating meat to right, right. excavate. And yeah. I never talked to my parents about it because it happened every time I ate meat. So I just thought it was normal. And I wonder like how many other children grew up in that way and, and grew into even adulthood thinking like, oh, it's normal for meat to upset your stomach and, and make you mm -hmm. have to run to the washroom. So I'm wondering like as a professional, as a holistic nutritionist, can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. And I even remember feeling the same way. And 
and it's so crazy that you brought that up because we used to, especially going on road trips, you know, with the family and, you know, it'd always be stopping because we would stop and have fast food of some kind, right? Usually a burger. And I would instantly have to go to the bathroom, like instantly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's probably a lot of other factors in there, like, you know, uh, the bun, the whatever sauce they're putting on it, the sugar, whatever, you know, there's a lot of but especially the meat um, aspect of it. And, and this goes to, to say about a lot of foods that people are eating, uh, they don't realize uh, they don't realize it until they remove it from their diet, the effect that it has. Mm. So a lot of my clients that I work with now, um, they'll be like, oh, I didn't even realize I had a weed intolerance or a dairy intolerance until I took it out. Because when I eat it now, I feel horrible. And I'm like, yeah, because what happens is your body just tries to metabolize everything, right? And just tries to keep up with whatever you're putting in it. Our our bodies are a crazy beautiful machine that will just try to keep you alive. And sometimes it just can't always keep up. And it'll it'll build up this inflammation, um, which will cause disease over time. And Mm. so... The inflammation is what is usually causing the bloating and causing the pain and causing all these things, um, which in turn will create, you know, other, you know, inflammatory conditions in the body. Um, But yeah, once those things are removed, those inflammatory foods, red meat is quite an inflammatory food as well. Um, And once it's removed, people are like, oh, my goodness, I don't think I could ever put that in my body again. Like, I never want to feel like that again. Right. Mm-hmm. So and that's, that's kind of what this, what happened to me, the big switch. Um, and I'm so thankful, you know, that I, you know, have met the people that I've met in my life, like that um, friend of mine that I lived with um, because she opened up my eyes, you know, she showed me a lot of things that at the time I was like, so not ready for, you know, like the PETA stuff, you know, mm-hmm. very, you know, she's very passionate about it, which I get and I get it now. At the time I was more, but I respected her and her decisions, obviously, but I also just couldn't wrap my brain around it. But now that I I see how certain foods for certain people really, it makes a huge difference, you know, and, and becoming plant majority plant-based myself it's uh, like I honestly have more energy than I ever have had in my adult life and I Mm -hmm. feel the best I've ever felt and I like I feel comfortable in my body whereas I've never felt comfortable like even (laughs) as a, a teenager like I never felt comfortable and it was probably just from inflammation right right and I I was working with another nutritionist uh, last year and I did a gut reset with her. And what you're Mm -hmm. saying rings so true for me about the inflammation and feeling comfortable. Like I feel for the first time in my adult life at home in my body where I feel delighted to be in my body instead of like, oh, this doesn't feel right or this like ache and pain that I didn't even notice I had until it's like out of control. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, I was sick of being sick. You know what I mean? Like, for me, it was not even necessarily about being overweight. So I was never a huge girl, you know, but I definitely, um, I suffered a lot with 
being bigger boned as we used to call it. And um, I definitely uh, saw myself as a bigger girl and other people I know, or, or what I assume they perceive me as was, you know, fat or whatever you want to say. And especially as like girls, we just, we, <laughs> we have to keep up to these societal standards, right? Which is really sad that, you know, our, our society puts this pressure on us to look away a certain way and feel a certain way. And, and, uh, you know, if you don't look that good in those Levi's jeans, you know, and, and, you know, be able to wear a little crop top, then you're, you're not worthy. It really, it, it, it took me a long time and, and it, it is, it's work, you know, it, it, it takes a long time, especially when you grow up the way that we did in the eighties with all that processed food and comfort food, and you, you become almost addicted. Well, you do become mm -hmm. addicted to these foods and you don't want to let those things go. You're like, I can't let that, that go. Like that's, that's my favorite thing. And I, I understand that. And I see that a lot in my clients is um, they, they feel also like I'm going to take everything away from them that they've ever loved in food and it's not even about that it's about finding the foods that work for you and it, we, we may need to remove them for the time being to see if they're causing that inflammation or that disruption in the body but then you can introduce it back in after you're you know finished cleaning things up a little bit you know like getting things working back in order you got to heal the body but yeah. you also you also you you can't heal a body you hate. So you have to get to a point where you fall in love with yourself, <laughs> you uh, know, to be able to heal your body. So there's so much work that goes in with, with getting to that point. And honestly, it, it's, it's definitely, it's a long journey, but it, it is attainable. And, you know, you can feel really good in your own body, even in your forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, like, that I plan to be like the feeling this good in my eighties. Like I, mm -hmm. that's, that's my plan. That's my yeah. journey. If like this knowledge, I don't think was as mainstream as it is now. And so oh, no. what do you, what do you foresee in terms of people choosing to eat healthy, not for the way that they look, but for the way that they feel, how do you see that shifting as we go forward? Oh, that's such a good question. Honestly, I, I feel like because there is some social media is such a, uh, <laughs> it's such a beast, right? But it's, it's a, it can be used for so much good. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it like, there's so much information out there now at our fingertips of um, being able to be healthy and, you know, stronger as you age, like, we shouldn't like, I just remember being younger and looking at older people and thinking like, Oh, I never want to get there, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, I don't want that anymore. Like I, I feel like we should um, give children this opportunity to see how graceful and beautiful it can be to age when it's done in a healthy way. And I'm not saying that every like older person around me was unhealthy and, and you know what I mean, but it's like, they didn't know, they mm -hmm. didn't know as much as we know now. Mm -hmm. And because uh, there is a, still a lot of, of those um, the societal 
you know, expectations, um, you know, with all these filters on Snapchat and on Instagram to look a certain way. And like uh, kids now, like in this very time and present moment, have so many different things coming at them. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I just, one of the biggest things that I would love to do, like one of the uh, most um, high up there things that I want to achieve in my career as a nutritionist is to work in the, like in the school settings of like, um, uh, like the school board of, of feeding children. Mm. proper foods in the cafeteria um, or even in the hospitals, you know, like revamping those. Uh, I mean, it really helps that the Canadian food guide has changed over the last few years mm-hmm. um, to more of a plant-based, you know, like eat more nuts and eat more f- vegetables and uh, you know, meats down at the bottom now, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's, it's, we need to get into the schools. We need to get into the nursing homes, into the hospitals to help the people that need it the most. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, I really, I I feel like educating children and getting into um, programs like that would be so amazing. Um, You know, being able to get into the uh, education system somehow um, and showing kids that you can, you can lead a healthy life and still enjoy the things that are really amazing about being human and Mm -hmm. having so many great foods out there. And like, you know, following Anthony Bourdain on his, you know, cooking or like uh, uh, culinary journeys was always one of my favorite things to do. Of course we have to live our lives and and enjoy it too, but um, Mm -hmm. you can do healthy and, and, and loving way. Absolutely. Well, and I'm 45. So I want to take us back to the 80s for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna time travel. And (laughs) so I know when I was a child, and I believe so many other children had this experience so many other people our age had this experience of, you didn't have a choice around your food, you ate what was on your plate, and you actually didn't get up from the dinner table until you finished what you were eating. And so I know kids can be picky and um, they can, you know, decide they don't like something one day and love it the next. But in terms of like the way we were brought up to to eat what was on our plate, like I still as an adult, like even if I go out to eat at a restaurant and the portions at restaurants are massive, I still feel that that pang inside me of like, yeah. oh, you got to finish what's on your plate. And so... Yeah. I would love for you to speak to that and yeah. how people who have that sort of mentality can maybe work to overcome that and maybe mm-hmm. work around that. Well, and I think that that really stems from um, our grandparents of living through a depression, mm. right? So then they taught their kids that were our parents that you have to finish everything on your plate because they didn't have anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like uh, so. And I love that you brought this up because um, my stepson, so my boyfriend's son, he um, is very picky. Uh, He's an 11 year old boy. And we've had a lot of ups and downs with 
um, me trying to get him to eat a little better. And we finally reached this point um, where he eats everything. But um, it, it, like if I cooked him something a year ago, let's say, and it was all vegetarian, he would like, no, no, there's no way I'm eating that. You know, it was like, get that off my plate. Um, but I had that feeling of you need to eat everything on your plate come up for me because of what we grew up with. And mm. I, I, I then had this moment of like, I can't force him to eat. You know, I can't force him to eat everything on his plate. What if, what if he actually just doesn't want to eat it, you know, and, and not being just picky, but like, you know, just something is in his body telling him he doesn't want to eat it. And that was the thing of growing up in the 80s of like, I, I felt like, you know, some of the meals that were put in front of me was like, oh my gosh, I have to eat this white fish in tomatoes, like stewed tomatoes ugh, with no flavor. It was just like a casserole mm -hmm. dish with white. It was awful. And it then became like, um, I, I was becoming more resistant to eating a lot of stuff because it was getting forced on me. Mm -hmm. And if we, I even remember being at like the babysitters and we used to go to her place for aftercare after school. And she would make like tomatoes, cream of tomato soup with grilled cheese sandwiches, uh, not even grilled cheese. Sorry. It was that, um, Velveeta cheese or whatever, like that mm -hmm. plastic mm -hmm. spreadable cheese. I, I really feel like it's, it's so hard to get children to eat, first of all, get them to eat anything healthy. But I think if you just gradually, um, and, and just anybody, like especially with changing their diet or anything, it's a gradual thing, right? Like mm -hmm. try this for a week. If it doesn't work for you, then try another way. So mm -hmm. like, for instance, actually, a client that I just uh, was um, speaking with before I came on with you, I was giving her her protocol for hormone balancing. And she asked if she um, has to, because uh, I told her she, she should have like, um, complete meals throughout the day and consistently. And she was like, Oh, does that mean that I can't be intermittent fasting then? And so in with her, she's not getting enough calories in her day with intermittent fasting. Um, and I, I see this on, you know, many levels of like her assessment plus, you know, uh, her cortisol levels and everything she needs to eat more consistently. So I told her to try it for two weeks, not doing intermittent fasting and see how it works. You know, because we get into this mindset too that, oh, this is the only thing that I can do to make it work for me, you know, because so and so is doing it, or I read it on here, or I, you know, saw this program, and that's what I'm going to do, I'm going to follow that. And sometimes it just doesn't work for you. Like you can't, you can't pressure yourself into something that someone that it's working for someone else. You have to do what's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like I think um, changing your relationship with food, that's like my big thing. It's like, you need to eat food for you at the right times. Mm -hmm. So 
like like I said before, you don't have to cut out all of the good food necessarily forever, but you do have to make a little bit of a change to to make that uh, adjustment in your body and let your body your your body is working with you, not against you. So you need to feed it properly because mm-hmm. it will it will thrive and it will it will get you through until your 80s or 90s in a good way if you just feed it properly. Mm-hmm. It's so true. I know for me, it was a mind shift, like a mindset yeah. shift. And that yeah. that really helped when I started thinking about like my body as my home yeah. and the food as fuel to keep me exactly. going. It was like, oh, well, why would I put garbage inside of me? Sometimes I yeah. still do when I get a craving, of but, of course. Um, and, and actually on that vein, I wanted to talk a little bit about nostalgia. So like when we're talking about foods that we ate when we were younger, for right. me, the most difficult thing is coffee. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is coffee reminds me of my grandparents. My grandmother Aww. recently passed away. And so to yeah. me, coffee means comfort and safety. And it's right. really difficult for cut it out. And I'm slowly trying to drink less, but it's it's a real tough one. So I wonder if you could speak to that nostalgia piece and like the mm-hmm. the associations that we have with certain foods or beverages. Yeah, of course. So first of all, I just have to say I love coffee too. Um, but I I will tell people to cut back to like one cup a day, depending on their situation. I just have to Mm -hmm. put that in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But because coffee isn't necessarily evil and it's not bad, it's just too much of anything is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So um, that being said, the nostalgic part of it, um, I also have a lot of foods that I loved, you know, eating. Um, Halva is one of them for me that reminds me of my grandfather. So it's a sesame seed um, treat. Like it's a, I don't know if you know what it is, but it's, it's a delicious. candy. It's delicious. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and not that it's necessarily bad, and I don't eat it on a daily basis, but that's a little treat for me that I love to have. And it's, but it's not part of a balanced diet, right? But it's like we just actually had some last night because um, we found some at the little corner store here. Um, and it reminds me of my grandpa and it's okay to have those things, of course. And like even, you know, a bag of chips here and there, I'll dive into one. Like I'm not, I'm not super regimented to the point where I'm like, I, you know, don't have like enjoyable foods here and there, but it's just how your body is going to metabolize those things is is where um is, is where the issue lies if there's too much inflammation so if mm. you're doing that on a daily basis and having those foods that aren't great for you all the time that's where the problem lies so enjoying those foods that you loved as a child or even um you know having a glass of wine here and there it's not a bad thing in moderation as long as you're not continuously eating them and causing a disruption in your in your metabolism mm, that helps that really does yeah. help cuz uh yeah 
I, I really enjoy my coffee. So Yeah. And like yeah. I've cut down to, I used to drink like four to five cups a day because I was so stressed at one time. Oh, and like wow. that was just causing way more issues in my body than I could even talk about right now. But it was like a very hormonal issue with um, cortisol levels and everything. Mm -hmm. um, like I was getting, um, it was causing my breasts to get really sore and I was having lumps in my breasts. Um, so it was calling, causing cystic breast disease, they called it. Um, and then of course with my periods, they were insane uh, when I was drinking more caffeine. So uh, too much of anything is not a good thing. And I know mm -hmm. that that's a very cliche thing to say, but it's true. So mm -hmm. things in moderation, like I'm not, I'm not going to judge people on what their diet looks like on the foods that they do enjoy on the coffee that they drink or, you know, that they love having a donut here and there because that's something that they enjoyed from their childhood or anything like that. It's a matter of eating well, well-balanced meals every single day, but enjoying those things here and there is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Then it then it really truly is a treat. Totally. Yeah. Mm. And then you enjoy it more and you'll realize too like one of the big things for me was my taste buds changed. So, once I stopped eating those high sodium, high sugar foods, uh highly processed foods, the trans fats, everything like, you know, take out all the time. I started enjoying food more like I was mm. it wasn't just the greasy like I can't even eat greasy food anymore I can have a, some fries let's say and then I'm like okay I'm cut off like I can't eat any more of those I feel really I instantly feel it but yeah I've started to like my taste buds woke up once I cut out all of that really highly processed and highly you know salty sugary foods it was like Oh yeah, this is what food tastes like. This is amazing. And <laughs> it's it's really quite a beautiful thing. Yeah, I giggled there because I had the same experience. <laughs> like I didn't know that almonds were sweet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Until I <laughs> to until I, you know, cut out the processed sugars. So yeah, it's so interesting how your whole palate changes. Um yeah. In this next segment, Jillian talks about three common things she sees in her practice with her clients, and these are things that you may want to look out for. The first one is imbalances in the gut, second is eating in a stressed state, and third is not getting enough sleep. So eating in a stressed state and then um, that's causing the cortisol levels to even rise, right? So um, if you're running out the door and you're quickly shoving something in your mouth, A, you're not chewing it properly, and B, your, your, your body is just in this like, oh my God, we're eating, oh my, you know, it's just in a confused state because you need to eat in a relaxed state so that your body has time to eat, mm -hmm. uh, to digest. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess the third thing that I really see is, yeah, just stress, um, major, major component. Um, it's causing people not to sleep properly. Um, and that in turn will 
just throw off your whole day. So if you're not getting enough sleep and your cortisol levels are really high throughout the day, or you're not getting enough cortisol to get through the day um, to give you energy, uh, it's just a cyclical uh, cycle that you're just going to fall into and you're, it's going to throw everything off digestion wise and, uh, and all of it. So your brain and your gut are connected. So if you're, if you're not digesting foods properly, your brain's not going to be able to function properly. You're not going to have focus. You're not going to be able to, you know, keep it together essentially. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you have children at home or, you know, a partner or whatever, um, or just dealing with coworkers or any, any human in your life or any animals or anything. And, and someone causes some kind of like stressful situation, you want to be able to handle it in, in a very calm state. But if you're constantly in this high, high, like freaked out state, you're not going to be able to handle stress, stressful situations well, and it's going to cause, um, going to cause a huge disruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Wow. Yeah. Is there, so, you know, if, if people are looking for indicators, is there a specific time of night that people would wake up if there was a gut issue or digestive issue happening or are there many times that they would wake yeah, up? Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the key things that I ask people um, about their sleep. So what one of the first things I ask is how's your sleep habit? Like how's your diet and how's your sleeping? Um, and I say, do you wake up at any point in the night? What time? Um, and it's, if it's like about, uh, three or 4 AM, that's the adrenals turning on. So Mm -hmm. your adrenals are like puppies. And I just heard this analogy the other day from a naturopathic doctor that, um, I was going over a Dutch test with her, uh, for one of my clients. And she was telling me that the adrenals are like puppies. They know when it's time to wake up. They know when it's time to eat. They know when it's time to pee. They know when it's time to uh, go back to bed. They know, like, they have, they love routine. So if your adrenals are constantly working, like in this constant stress state um, of working overtime, they're just going to keep going. So if you're waking up at three or four in the morning, that's your adrenals like, okay, we're ready to go. Like we're, we're supposed to be waking up now because you're not giving them time to chill out. Mm. You're not, you're not walking your puppies enough throughout the day (laughs) to tire Mm. them out. (laughs) So basically you need to have enough cortisol. They call it a cortisol awakening response. So you want to have this like instant when you wake up, you don't, the best thing to do is not lay in bed for like 10, 15 minutes, even more, of course, don't, don't lay in bed. Best thing to do is just wake up. As soon as you get out of bed, you draw your blinds or whatever you can to get the white light in. Mm -hmm. So that'll wake up your body right away and give you a surge of cortisol. Mm. Um, If you can get outside, breathe in the fresh air right away. Um, and, and that will help to get that cortisol up right at first thing in the morning. Cause that's when you want your energy. Cause then you want your energy for, uh, to, to gradually start peaking for the morning. Like you want high energy to function, um, throughout the day. 
So then you want it to gradually start tapering down in the you know mid afternoon. So about three or four people usually three or four in the afternoon people usually experience this huge crash because mm -hmm. they're not getting enough cortisol to get them through the morning. And then by like three or four, they're like we've exhausted all of our cortisol already. Right, we've and laid in bed. What's that? I was going to say, and then they go get a coffee. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then that causes the cortisol to get all hyped up again. So then you're going to bed with high cortisol. So then your adrenals are like, we're so confused. I thought it was bedtime, but now you've had a coffee midday and, or, you know, you've gone and done, done this intense workout and, and, and in, in, whatever time, six o'clock, seven o'clock, and now we're confused or you're eating late. So then you're digesting food while you're sleeping and that can cause things to go off the charts. It's just like getting into a, a good sleeping routine, getting into a good routine with your diet. It's actually all very simple to get into these routines. It does take time, but it's quite simple and your body will be so happy once you do that. Aw, too bad I don't. I resist routine. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we all do uh, to a certain extent. But I mean, getting to bed before 10 p.m. is such a great routine to get into. Um, and once I, I, I like, I mean, we're we're never if we're up past 10, we're dragging our feet, my boyfriend and I. But um, like, I I've, I'm in such a good routine now that. Like by 9.30, I'm ready. I'm brushed teeth and I'm in bed and I'm ready to zonk right out. And then I'm <laughs> up at like 6.30, 7 o'clock. And that's a great amount to sleep. I rarely wake up during the night now. I used to have horrible sleeping schedules. Like I was, I was a night owl. I used to party all the time. I used to drink till like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. You know, like just really a totally different person than I am now, but I'm so thankful that I found this, this new world for myself because yeah, like I said, I, I want to age gracefully and I, by 80, I still want to feel the way that I'm feeling now. And I think if I stay on this, this uh, path that, that will probably be something I will do. And I want to help people attain the same thing. I want to, give people the opportunity to get to where I have got in my life. And it's, it is attainable. Like I mm -hmm. used to be a totally different person. Like anybody that knows me from my Calgary party days, they are like shocked that I am doing what I'm doing now. Cause it's completely like on the other side of the spectrum, but mm. I love it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't change I, it. I love that you're doing this too. And so if you're not partying anymore, like what, what do you do for fun these days? To be honest, uh, one of my favorite things to do now is go for hikes with my dogs and my boyfriend. Uh, I love being outside and doing anything like cycling. I love <clears throat> getting on my bike and riding around and, I mean, Vancouver is so great for that. Many great little areas that you can go to. and um, But we also like to play Scrabble. <laughs> it's oh, so that's fun. one of my favorite games. Oh, uh, it's been, yeah, I bought it for um, my stepson for his birthday 
uh, in October and we play every week and I we love, love it. it. Yeah. Oh, we'll have to get yeah. a game in sometime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We can sit outside in the backyard and I love it. Oh, but yeah, that that's great. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well I could I have a million more questions and maybe we'll just have to do a part two of this conversation but I want to wrap this up before we go please tell uh-huh. us how can our listeners find you and what are you yes. what are you currently working on that they might yeah. be interested in yeah, so I am on Instagram at uh, my handles at experience underscore a underscore root underscore awakening, the worst handle to be able to say, but um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I also have a website, it's just a root awakening.com. Um, and right now, one of my biggest things that I'm working on is I'm uh, four weeks into my 10 week, the first 10 week program uh, for uh, balancing women's hormones. So that's something that I've definitely started to really focus on, because I've been able to balance my hormones personally. um, And I definitely want to help others attain, like I said, what I have attained. So um, I built this 10 week program. Uh, I have guest speakers that are in the program as well, who um, are amazing in the health and wellness industry. And uh, yeah, it's 10 modules. So each week has a module. And you also get to do a Dutch test included in the program. And the Dutch test um, actually, uh, it's a, a urine test that's done at home. And it can show us everything that's going on in the body for your comprehensive hormones. So like your estrogen levels, progesterone, um, cortisol, uh, all of your organic acids as well. So B12 and B6, we can see melatonin. Um, So we can see that uh, cortisol, uh, like the the pattern throughout the day um, Mm. with this test. So it's really cool. Like you can actually see a picture of what is going on on inside your body. Um, So yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. And the next one starts uh, July 24th. So yeah, I'm going to have them every uh, season. So this is spring and then summer starts July 24th and then it'll go fall, winter and back again. Nice. Okay. Well, great. We'll make sure to put the links in the episode notes. So if anyone's interested in signing up, which I'm sure they will be after hearing you speak. Um, awesome. they, can, they can find you. So thank you, Jillian, Great. so much. It's always such thank a pleasure you. to connect with you. Yes, and, you too. Uh, we'll have to get you on again. Sounds good. I'm in. Okay. Bye for okay. now. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode seven of the podcast. And thank you to Jillian Templeton for being my guest. I learned so much from Jillian about plant-based eating, the importance of healing the gut, hormone health, and the need to love our bodies in order to heal them. As you wait for episode eight, please like and share the podcast with others. And to you, our listeners, I couldn't do this without you. Thank you for being here. Until next time.